Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Bill, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Cooper Revenge is coming. This is my town. Oh, no, Which is I would love you, to do a James Bond I'll, podcast. I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> he still gets to Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Did you practice? Did you do the recording? This is, is, this is it right now. This okay. is the test. The test of the emergency broadcast system. This is Beep. only. The tone you heard was a test. <laughs> if it had been a real, a real emergency, you'd be dead. You'd hear screaming. <laughs> oh God, it's over! It's over! <laughs> Shit! I just realized I'm the one starting the thing. All right. All right, it's going if you're ready. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season Nine: The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's going on, Mr. Butler? Nothing. You know, I was just released on prison early to hunt down a psychopath who's uh, also got the memory of the people that murdered my family. But, you know, whatever. Interesting. It's interesting. just a typical Sunday. <laughs> oh, this take place on a Sunday? I don't know. We're talking about the 1995 movie. Virtuosity. Mike, aside your weak synopsis that you just handed out, what's an actual real <laughs> synopsis for this movie? A former cop who has been imprisoned for murdering the psychopath who killed his family, Parker Barnes, is recruited to test out a new virtual reality program where the goal is to apprehend a computer-generated being called SID 6.7, who has been modeled on hundreds of deranged criminals. When Sid manages to escape into the real world, Barnes must capture or destroy him before the soulless entity can go on a killing spree. It's a little bit wrong because he was not arrested for murdering the psychopath, but murdering other people. 
Well, he still murdered the psychopath. Yeah, but I don't think that would have gotten him in prison as much as killing me. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a uh, it's almost like a demolition man style. Uh, yes, you know what I mean. It's, the same thing. It's with Stallone. proto demolition man. It, demolition man's after this, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's interesting. All right. So virtuosity has a runtime of 106 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $30 million. Its release date was Friday, August 4th, 1995, which puts it right in the middle of summer. Opening weekend was $8.3 million. Domestic and worldwide are the same, $24 million, so did not make its money back, which is probably why it's on our episode right now. <laughs> uh, production company was Gary Lucchese Productions, distributed by Paramount Pictures. So this opened up on August 4th. So that same day you had Bushwhacked. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. I want to say that's with Daniel Stern. I, I, was, I say I've heard of it, but I just, I just think I know the word. Yeah. You had the movie Babe, which we all know. That'll mm-hmm. do big. Something to talk about. And a limited run, Jeffrey, starring Patrick Stewart, your mm-hmm. favorite uh, Star Trek Next Generation captain. Uh, on August 11th, the week after, you had a kid in King Arthur's Court. I never saw that. Oh, I see that. Yeah. It actually stars the young Daniel Craig. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I did see A Walk in the Clouds, which is also. And of course, Dangerous Minds, which we all know. Uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer in that rap video, Coolio's rap video. <laughs> <laughs> Limited release, you had the Brothers McMullen, which I, I enjoy. Uh, on the 28th of July, the week before, you had Waterworld, an underrated classic, an underrated jam butler. Dennis Hopper's good in it. Oh, come on. It's not bad. It's I'd, not as bad as you think. I'd have to rewatch it. Yeah, it's not It's not as... <laughs> listen, I, I, I can understand people don't would hate on it because the big thing with Waterworld is that it made too much... It went over its budget and it just kind of was like a mess to put together. It's water. It's water Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. You also had Operation Dumbo Drop. Waterworld's better than that. Uh, it's better than that. Operation Dumbo Drop is. Mm. It's for kids. There's, a, there's an elephant. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. And then you had The Net, the uh, Sandra Bullock star. I've which, not seen that since it came out. That was like, I remember with that movie, I remember it came out after Speed. Mm-hmm. And it was like the next big movie with her because she like her her career skyrocketed after Speed. Right. I remember like yeah. my parents rented it. And it was like, oh, this is the next. Yeah. The next big Sandra Bullock. Yeah. yeah. But I don't. It was years ago. I don't remember anything about it. I think we've talked about the net before because I think we I remember You've us having a conversation. Not it, like it. I I think we had a conversation where it would be a good remake. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially now, because I mean, there's more so you can do now at home than anything. Oh, yeah. The yeah. net has definitely changed what you thought it was back then. Right. Right. But we're talking about virtuosity as Butler nearly spills his coffee all over the table. Directed by Brett Leonard. He directed The Lawnmower Man, Hideaway, and Triumph. Written by Eric Burnt. Uh, he has written Surviving the Game. Uh, that's the, what's the Ice-T one, right? Where he's getting hunted? I think so. Yeah. Romeo Must Die and The Hitcher, the 2007 uh, version of The Hitcher. Do you like Romeo Must Die? It's okay. I remember thinking for the movie, the type of movie it was, it was actually pretty decent. I mean, it's a straight up action. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yep. Cinematography by Gail Tattersall did The Commitments, Tank Girl, and uh, recently the TV show Grace and Frankie, which is on Netflix, I believe. Composer Christopher Young, who's on Hellraiser, Jennifer Eight, Rounders, and The Empty Man. The Empty Man is new. That came out last year during the pandemic. Yeah, that was we had it in the theaters. We like did. Two weeks we did. It, saw it <laughs> when when we worked. Edited by Rob Cobran, where he did. Uh, he's the needful things. Which watch the director's cut, as I always say on the show. Without Mercy, <laughs> Urban Legends, final cut. I have never seen that Urban Legends. I think that's the third one. B.J. Spears had, uh, also was an editor on this movie. He did Storyville, Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, and Where Sleeping Dogs Lie. Produced by Gary Lucchese, who has produced Primal Fear, which is a really good movie. Underworld and Million Dollar Baby, and then it was also co-produced by Gimel Everett. 
who's done Man Thing, The Dead Pit, and Hideaway. So you had Denzel Washington as Parker Barnes. Denzel Washington. I don't think we've done a movie with him, have we? Uh, we haven't. Uh, maybe not because uh, he is not much of a forgotten kind of actor. And here we go because he won. <laughs> he's won two Oscars: one for Training Day and one for Glory, which is an awesome, awesome film. And he was nominated for the following movies: Roman J. Israel Esquire, Fences, Flight, The Hurricane, Malcolm X, and Cry Freedom. Uh, I'm assuming people know who Denzel Washington is. Probably the biggest actor of our generation. So yes, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> he is very good, very good. Russell Crowe as Sid six point seven. Uh, Russell Crowe has also won an Oscar for a Gladiator, and he was nominated for a movie The Insider and A Beautiful Mind. If you have not seen The Insider, I recommend it immensely. Very good, and Russell Crowe is very good as well. Kelly Lynch as Madison Carter. Uh, she's in Bright Lights, Big City, Cocktail, and White Man's Burden. Steven Spinella as Lyndon Meyer. From Ravenous, Connie and Carla, and more recently, the HBO movie Bad Education, which I watched the other day, which is not that bad. It's pretty good. William Forsyth as William Cochran, who's playing the same character as he was in The Rock, because he's in The Rock. He's also in Raising Arizona <laughs> and Dick Tracy, a movie we've done. Mm-hmm. Louise Fletcher as Elizabeth Dean. Uh, I hope a lot of people know who Miss Fletcher is. She won an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She's also in Cruel Intentions. And more recently, Grizzly 2, Revenge. So Ooh. if you're into killer bears, there you go. <laughs> William Fickner as Wallace uh, from Armageddon, Black Hawk Down, the TV show Mom, and Go, which is a movie we did as well for season five, I believe. I think that was Andrew Morgan's recommendation. Costas Mandalore as John Donovan. He's in the he's in the beginning for like a hot second. Uh, he's in the Saw movies, Pick Offenses, the TV show, and Mobsters. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor as Clyde Riley, another one that's in here for a hot second. Uh, he's in The Mummy, Van Helsing, Deep Rising, and Peggy Sue Got Married. Correct me if I'm wrong, but O'Connor seems to play a creepy character. He must be, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, but like in movies, he's always a creep. Like oh, he's yeah. Always like just like this, ugh, like this creepy dude. Bye, Billy. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, no. he's got his his part in the mummy where even if you don't like the mummy his part where he's trying to pray to the mummy and using all the lines like he's really good at that shtick and i think that's right. why he gets cast and he's good in deep rising it's more of the friendly right. creep yeah but yes no, i i as don't as he appears in this movie i knew he was gonna be all weird we're gonna go on a stephen <laughs> summers tangent right now i don't mind deep rising or the mummy or the mummy too there's parts in there that i enjoy and brendan fraser is really good in the mummy and so is uh, rachel wise and stuff like that right but that's about it for the Steve Summer movie. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like I, Van Helsing is, oof, it is not good. I mean, I wanted it to be good, but it is not good. Van Helsing, the first G.I. Joe. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, you know, I don't, whatever. I mean, you know. I yeah. even, like the Mummy Returns has a couple of good things, but I'm not a huge Mummy Returns guy. That's the one, that's the third one. Or, yeah, with the Scorpion right. King in it. Yeah. I don't, yeah, no. No, I that's the second one. Mummy Returns is the second one. Yeah, but what's the third one? The the Chinese dragon one? Oh, that's the dragon, um, tomb, yeah, dragon tomb or the something dragon's like that. Tomb. That's not yeah. even him. That's a different director. Oh yeah, I don't like that one. That one I almost walked out of. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. That's I mean, a few movies I, I, I wouldn't be surprised of. if you, in like five ten years they start talking about doing another mummy with everyone. I'm I surprised, be surprised if it was less than that. True. Uh, true. I'm trying to be you know. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> very true. Right. You want a Netflix deal? We're gonna get a Netflix deal. We're gonna reboot the movie. Three point out. So uh, I also have a couple, uh, I guess, cameos or smaller parts uh, that, if you didn't know, I don't know if you knew that the little girl was played by Kaylee Cuoco. I did notice that. I, I know. I, I noticed that in the trailer in the in the credits, and I was like, oh, oh, really? And then I went back and like, I guess. I mean, it's hard to tell. She's like <laughs> seven. Uh, if you don't know who that is, she's from The Big Bang Theory and Flight Attendant. Uh, Tracy Lords is in this. Mike, did you notice that? Is Tracy, she in this? Yeah. So she <laughs> plays Media Zone singer. And my credit for her is porn. I apologize, Tracy. Where where, where is she in the movie? She, I think she is when Sid goes there to 
kill everybody in the in the in the rave. Oh, is she the si- she's, she's the one singer of the, yeah. in the club? She's the media's own singer, as it says here. Is she the one that runs away when he goes, "Don't do it," and then she runs? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't go back to look. I was just like, "All right, Tracy Lords in this," <laughs> and then. Frank Welker is a special voice vocal effects in this. And he's the voice, obviously, for Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume that's another thing that they used within. I don't know where whether they used the computer one or the computer one was a woman. The, the computer voice. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe when there. he glitches out or something, he added that layered on top of him. <laughs> right. Right. Well, let's talk about the computer voice because that's all the facts I got right now. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about that computer computer voice. Awfully loud. <laughs> 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 when he is trying to. Ask, like, tell her, like, oh, hey, uh, he's trying to hide it from the guy behind him. Right. And she's like, program complete. It's like, whoa, whoa, calm <laughs> down. You're going to read gonna blow the my cover. <laughs> All right. So you had not seen this movie? I had not. I'd only seen the trailer every okay. time I watched Demolition Man. I had seen this movie. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to sit here and tell you that this movie is, oh, my God, this is a forgotten gem. But there are things in this movie that I still kind of liked. And I liked when I first watched it. Like, I thought that were like the special effects aren't terrible. They're not great. 494. Yeah. I mean, right, they do some right. stuff with CG that I'm surprised they were able to do. It doesn't look good now. Well, of course. Back then, yeah. it would have looked pretty decent. Uh, this movie is supposed to be set in 1999. So it's supposed to be set like six, four or five years in the it's future. Like, I kept trying movie. to figure out when the movie was t- took place. I have a lot of notes to try to figure it out. And then I finally figured it out. Yeah. Um, so I guess what off the top, what's your, I guess, what was your first reaction to it in terms of you watching it? What was the first thing that popped in your head or what I was, have you? I was a little disappointed. Really? Okay. I, I think I had built it up in my mind so much. You know, it kept being a movie that was like a mystery to me, like this movie that it's got Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe as an action movie. It looked to be in the same vein of Dem- as Demolition Man, which is probably why it was on my VHS for it. And I was like, why have I not seen this movie? And it looked so cool. The way the trailer was cut is really it's a really well done trailer. And coming into it, I was like, this is going to be like my jam. This is going to be like um, when we did Strange Days. Yeah. When you had Str- me watch Strange Days, like, this is going to be that weird near future 1990s slight dystopian like that this is my jam mm-hmm. and i'm watching it and, and there are parts that like you said are, are are decent um i didn't hate this movie like somebody that we know uh texted us when we posted that we were watching it oh i said it was garbage whatever I, I didn't think it was that bad but i was a little disappointed because i went into it thinking it was going to be another like strange days like this right. is going to be one of my new favorite 90s movies and and it wasn't yeah but there are some stuff to like and it obviously denzel yeah, he, he doesn't good. do a bad performance. Uh, true. Very true. Well, he's a great actor. And to, to some extent, neither does Russell Crowe. I think if the two leads, if Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington, and Russell Crowe is a relatively unknown at this point. Mm-hmm. But if they were not strong, I think this movie would easily dip to really bad. And part oh, of the yeah. reason of that is, is uh, Washington was restructuring the story and the dialogue during filming. Like he was actively changing things while they were going <laughs> along. So he only did this movie because his son asked him to. Now, I don't know if it's his son, who's obviously John David Washington, who's popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but his son asked him to do it. So he did it. But he was restructuring a lot of the stuff within the film. So and and then at some point, Paramount brought a different. So I I gave you the two editors before. Uh, Rob Coburn and BJ Spears, but they actually Paramount brought in Billy Weber, who's an action editor, who's edited Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop and the Warriors. And they brought him in to deliver a new cut and he's right. thanked in the credits. So he obviously cut this to be more action. So right off the bat, this movie is, is kind of made as you go along. Yeah. So, which is, and if you compare it to strange days, just to use a term, strange is a lot more going for it. Story wise, this is more just style and, and let, and so I think, 
because of that, I think that's why I, I agree with you. Strangers, obviously, uh, I hold that a little higher. This movie's clearly just kind of like let's put it together and go. Right. Um. It, it it it's I think it's saved partly, or maybe my I'm sure it made back its money if it made 24 million. Yeah, once it came out on VHS and rentals, right, and stuff, right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's home box office. We've probably uh, got it. It put itself even to even it out, or put itself in the black a little bit, or less of the red, if if you will. <laughs> uh, is because that all is because of Denzel and Russell um, Crow and Washington, just because there are they are good, and they're not gonna they're not delivering a they're not bad in this. Right, it's just everything around them is not great. You know what I mean? Well, that's one of my notes is that especially with Russell Crow's character. Um, He's so ridiculous and over the top and just evil, but having so much, he's so having so much fun with the role and chewing the scenery in the right way mm -hmm. uh, that if you had any other villain trying to play that or actor trying to play that kind of villain, I don't think it would work because I think you'd either chew the scenery too little and try to make him too serious or chew the scenery too much and make it too comedic. And he kind of toes that perfect line. Right. Well, my impression of Brussels Crow's performance is that within the digital world, he is in control. So everything is like he, he's almost like a Don, like a like a mafia Don, like he can do whatever he wants. He's cool, collected. But once he's in the real world, now he's extremely excited, like a like a schoolboy, because right. he is able to do stuff that he's always wanted to do. So it's just coming out all over the place, whereas he's making a music based on people screaming and yelling and getting killed. Yeah. But it. it it completely tracks with that character. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it would feel so disingenuous if he gets out of the, of the, the, the fake world or the digital world, which to reference another movie, let's talk about the last action hero mm -hmm. when it wasn't in one eye or red eye or something like he that. A red eye. But okay. When he gets out of the film world, he's a little bit more cool and collective and it still works for that movie, but it wouldn't, sure. that wouldn't work for this movie in terms of, you know that I think you needed that kind of performance that Russell did for six 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 point seven for to you to kind of like buy into that. Correct. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, I I I have no problem with their both their performances. Um, quick question: Michael Douglas was cast as Parker Barnes originally. I saw that. Would you have liked that? No. Yeah, agreed. Again, I I don't think I think Denzel elevates the role. Also, they wanted Arnold to do the role, and yeah. he tur they turned uh, they quickly decided not to do that because he's was worth too much money back yeah, then. Yeah. Well, I, seriously, that's because Arnold was. Super popular. But at that point, it's just like Arnold's just going to throw down. It's not. Well, he's doing True Lies at this point. So, or he True Lies just came out probably was why they wanted him. 94. Probably. Yeah. Same thing. So yeah. they probably want him because because True Lies was a massive hit. And True Lies is awesome. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> True Lies cast, but it's not forgotten. <laughs> uh, but Denzel adds this gravitas and this personality and this darkness, but also this kindness. Mm -hmm. Like in his scene with Kaylee Cuoco when she's in the car with him. Like he gets oh, that, he, he's yep, got that Denzel yep. charm going on. And I don't think that anybody else could really do that. I think Michael Douglas would have been interesting. Well, definitely more interesting than just having a regular action star like Arnold. Right. But I don't think it would have been the same because I don't think Douglas would have that same darkness of as Denzel put it. Because Denzel acts like he was a cop, but also acts like he's been in prison for years. Acts like the system has wronged him right. in a way. So what's something that besides aside from performances, maybe something within the movie that you liked or didn't like? I'll start off with something okay. uh, that I enjoyed. So the scene when they're in Lee Tech, which for some reason I needed to see the sign for Lee Tech uh, 
like eight times at the beginning of the first you of the 10 minutes. Know. I need to know it's law enforcement technology advancement center. Like I was like, I get it. I, I got some, po- I saw it. I'm like, okay, I saw it again. Okay. I saw it again. I go, oh, fine. I'll, I'll write it down. You okay. You know that for the sequels. <laughs> I'll write it down. I'll write it down. <laughs> um, so when the scene, when Sid tells Linda Meyer his secret and he's like, I had a little secret for you, which is basically telling him that, uh, uh the other guy, Kevin O'Connor, Jay O'Connor's character is, is secretly, uploading the video with the girl. Oh, right. Yep, yeah. Yep. And, and he's saying like, you know, he's got this technology where he can make a person out of a, whatever fluid or whatever. Symbi- yep. uh, yeah. Okay. So he's like, I got a secret to tell you. And the image of Sid on the screen zooms in on him. Luke. So his face gets super big, but the camera is pulling back mm-hmm. and, and, and pulling back and kind of framing them between the two, I guess, floating seats that the, uh, the prisoners would sit in to get put into the get and put into the system. Right. I thought that was really well done. I liked that shot quite a bit. Uh, that was one thing that I enjoyed. What about you? I do like that. That set is really nice. I do like that set. The, the main thing I like is when Sid admits to Parker that this is all a game to him and that he needs Parker because they're playing this game. And I enjoyed that aspect of it, that Sid might be in the real world, but he's not there to live a long life and and he's there to play the game. He's right. there to play until he loses a lot like the alternate world. And he frees Parker because that's his best adversary. I like that kind of cat and mouse game between a villain and a hero. Yeah. Like that they need each other. And I like when the villain kind of is the one that realizes that. Um, oh, when you're talking about when he like when he frees, frees him. Hey, buddy, how's the wife and kid still yeah. dead? Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I, about five minutes before they realized that uh, <laughs> you killed these cops and broke out. <laughs> yeah, the scene is like he Parker's in the back of a whatever, some kind of cop van, cop car, not cop armored car, vehicle, yeah. yeah, armored vehicle, and um, excuse me. No, okay, good. Sorry, I almost had a PS drop. All right, so, <laughs> um, so he's in the back of that armored vehicle, and then he escapes and he runs away, and he's like running to the on ramp of the highway. I'm like, where are you going? You, you're going on to the 405. I saw that. And it's like I was wondering, did they shut down the highway, or did they just say Denzel yeah. just run the highway? Yeah, exactly. Like they're actually like, all right, and then just take off. Where? Just go over there somewhere. We'll just cut it before you get over you there. You see him running. Yeah, he's running like, real like, careful. He's going on, on the, the highway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and then and the same thing with that song is as soon as he hops out and you hear the live song, I'm like, oh yeah, we're yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> uh, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is great. <laughs> Speaking of the soundtrack. Uh, Russell Crowe and 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, his band back then, yep. did a music video called The Photograph Kills, which took place in that uh, Sid 6.7 uh, orchestra kind of area. Yeah, yeah. They shot the video. Yeah, yep. in, between the, in yep. between filming. I thought That's... that was kind of cool. <laughs> well, yeah, and of course, because it's a 90s movie, you had to have Michael Buffer in there at some point. <laughs> and don't you remember when UFC back in the day, they would just be fighting in the audiences, like just audience members would just start cold cocking each other. Oh, oh yeah. wait, no, that didn't happen. I, what, what is that? They're like, yeah. And then the guy, like they're running up the steps and the guy's like, yeah. And then he just turns around and punches the dude next to him. Isn't that only because they had already started the fight with Sid point seven and the uh, lady? Uh, he killed her. Or he was going to kill her. Oh, he, he was going her. to kill he, her. He th- who'd he throw? He threw the boyfriend. Right. Okay. He killed yep, the boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looks like someone's got an admirer and it's just on the girl the whole time. <laughs> uh, back to what you're talking about, the set. I actually like the prison set when the white white supremacist dude is going to keep going after him. Yeah. I actually like that set. You didn't I, like it? The only thing I had is how can they see that it's so black that the cells are so well, they have those little faded out. Yeah, like, they're how, throwing things through those little barns. 
And then, ah. yeah, they had an awful lot of trash to throw at Barnes. But I did like it because it was super 90s. And I'm of like, course. oh, this is like late 80s, early 90s, two-way tea. I think that was my first note was actually... Once the prison popped up, my first note for that is, please let this be 1999, the year 1999 or something. And it was. It turned out to be. Well, I like <laughs> when he steps into the door and there's three three doors that can open and it opens the it's other the door. Room, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I enjoyed that room. I was like, oh, that room. I like that room. I like that room. But I was like, I don't know why. I was just like, I yeah, like yeah, that yeah. it sets up that you know it's the wrong. He goes, that's the wrong door. And you kind of know. Yeah. And it's got the Gen Pop logo on it. Right. And it's like, oh, ex-cop going to Gen Pop. That's not good. Yeah. So why? My question to you is why did they open that up? Why was that done? Because the other prisoner died. And I guess and all the were, cops are getting bribed by the white, the white supremacists. So they, the they, they knew ahead of time that that prisoner died, which was his friend. They're probably like, you're only getting one back. Okay. All right. And then yeah. a guard probably tipped off whoever's the leader of that. You know, yeah. have you ever watched a prison movie like Oz or whatever? Well, I've what watched uh, Breaking Bad when they had to coordinate all those kills. <laughs> and that took a long time. Are you a Punisher breaking out of Daredevil? <laughs> <laughs> cha-ching! Cha-ching! Cha- you got to shut. Hold on. You get, oh. We got to go to our sponsors. Is this like one of your Twitch streams when you're trying to get a, a PS5? Well, I'm trying to get some money to buy a third PS5. <laughs> <laughs> you have two? No, I don't. <laughs> Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist. A fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. For some reason, they had a subplot in here of uh, there were there was some kind of immigration issue closing the borders, which is very topical now, obviously, but it's still yes. very topical throughout the. I guess I must. This must be a topic that is always talked about. Now. I think so because even in the original RoboCop, yeah, I believe that the news reports were talking about that as well, right? And so that was based. I, that subplot's only there so that you can have a large audience where Sid can go and that's where you can find him there and stuff like that. But my right. question to you is why is the, I didn't understand why the speaker was the, the guy that they were using. It was like the focal point of the immigration issue was a native American. Cause I, I didn't understand what the immigration issue was then. I think the immigration issue was probably, you know, people on the Mexican border and stuff, but well, then why are you having a Native American well, that's... I think he was the head of the organization. It says like who he was. He was like the head of the organization defending the Because then I thought, uh, but I thought it was something that had to do with reservations and stuff like that. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, no. okay. But, and he was making his point that, you know, everyone in this country is an immigrant, you know. I got I, you. No, I, I, I understand. Immigrants. Oh, well, that makes but sense. I think the writer might have wanted to make that point. That makes sense. Really heavy handed. If, if that's what you're trying to do. I just, right. it, it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, that makes sense. That, that, well done. That makes sense. And yeah. that way, you know, Sid can kill a native American guy in full garb and be like, wow, you're really, evil, oh, you're man. so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, come on. Uh, the other thing with Sid is that he's programmed with all these evil people, evil people, but were all these, were any of these evil people, graphic designers and show producers, because he really knows how to put a show together, uh, in the, in the, in the showroom when he's well, in the he's been connected room. to the interwebs <laughs> just saying. this whole time. He knows he knows a lot about computer stuff. I mean, was any of these guys that were that were killers a computer expert? Maybe he gets to upload all his uh, lessons to his brain matrix style. <laughs> that would, that's also speaking of <laughs> '90s graphics. Those are weird graphics. What is with the face? Oh, the chart. Yeah, I, I was confused at one point. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is he doing? He's eating these things. <laughs> I was confused when they did the uh, at the end when they do the take. Where they go back in time, we'll never find my daughter now. And then all of a sudden it just cuts. 
and then you're back in time again. Are you talking about when he's in the he they, he doesn't realize they he trick system? And he's yeah. back in the system. Yeah, I think I already knew that. So yeah, yeah I, I didn't watch. It. I was like, that is just a bizarro cut. I was like, either they were in the game and now this is real life, or vice versa. But mm-hmm. I was like, that is such a bizarre cut. It's not really confusing me. Mm-hmm. It's just really off putting. Well, like I said, like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of things within this movie that are. They're done on the fly. Like for right. instance, the ending of the movie when Parker is, I guess, disarming the bomb and he just pulls wires because he has an, he has a prosthetic arm, which is like this metal arm, but he just pulls a random wire from the arm and right. connects it to the bomb. And I'm going, what are we doing here? What is this? He's, he's rerouting things. Yeah. Again, I, I was totally but confused. But as his what arm that keeps meant. working. So it's like, are all these extra wires? They're just kind of like, <laughs> I don't eh. need this one. Mm. I did not like that's. I did not like the arm. Okay. I did not think the arm was important or necessary or useful. It was just like, let's throw some more sci-fi on him. He needs a sci-fi bit because we're not going to redo the sets. And like, <laughs> after they leave prison, it's going to look real 1993 up in here. So let's uh, let's give him a sci-fi arm. Mm-hmm, but they mm-hmm. never really. He stops the fan, but he could have stopped the fan another way. That's it. And at one point, he uses his hand to, I think, block bullets. Bullets, yeah. But it never, like, you don't see a shot of it blocking off. I mean, I I guess you have, they're they're trying to give him scars, emotional and physical scars from uh, the incident where he loses his his wife and child. Right. When he goes off and kills everyone and the bomb blows up. And I I mean, I I guess that's why they did that. I don't know. Maybe that's just something that was in the script and they just kept it. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of like I, it's not like an iRobot, which I know we had this discussion off screen. Like when he has uh, his arm and iRobot is a little bit more useful. It's useful, but it's also it's used as he hates technology and he's yes. forced to live with technology. So, no, I, I it's a little yeah. bit better than that one. And I got to say, I, when I first saw iRobot, I was like, eh, it's all right. But I actually kind of dig iRobot more. I see it. You keep saying that. I got to check it out because the first time I've only seen it the one time and yeah. I was like. It's, it could have been better. No, nah, I don't know. I don't know why I kind of the, dig it a little bit more. Each I mean, time. I get the action. Of course, a lot of the action is CG in that movie, mm-hmm. but that action in the tunnel is actually pretty good, even though it's, you know, CG. So okay. I can't really, you know, I can't really knock. That's not right for me to knock that because how else are they going to do that? You yeah, know, like how yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but we're talking about this movie. <laughs> sorry. But yeah. I just thought the hand should have had more. It should more to do with the hand. Uh, the other thing, uh, one thing I did like is I liked uh, Denzel and Dreads. <laughs> okay. Denzel on the edge with Dreads and uh, a beard. It it's actually pro- kind of made him look younger, I think. Oh, yeah. But I'm, why, why I'm surprised they cut. It must have been a wig because they, they cut it right after. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a, automatically yeah. gone. You're back yeah. to regular Denzel now. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So speaking of that, so the scene when Sid uh, gets on the train and he has the woman. Oh, and they shoot their head standoff. Right. Parker shoots. And I guess you don't realize it, but Sid shoots at the same time, killing the woman, trying to frame Parker, which doesn't make any sense. I didn't understand what what was Parker shooting at? Where was Parker shooting if he shot? Why would you have him shoot? You know, it didn't make sense. Parker missed, he says. But what I don't what I hate right after that is that it's even in 1994, the evidence would be clear. The exit wound is always bigger than the entry wound. If it was Sid that shot that lady through the shoulder. 
or through the chest, I guess. She, he shoots like her. He shoots her from the back, through yeah. the chest. Yeah. You'd see. You'd see that it wasn't Parker. Well, the fact that, that no it. other cop looks at it, you have no forensic guy there. You you have we, the psychologist were, look at it. The psychologist, but they, there's a bunch of cops and they arrest Parker. He's already in handcuffs. I know. It's it's, it's just like you can't see that clearly. The guy who kidnapped her killed her. It's honestly just a way to right. put an obstacle in front of the. But they the could have done better where they arrest. Uh, agreed. Else. Agreed. Now there's there's like there's a lot of there's a lot of suspect. Uh, decisions in this movie for instance with the arm what if you had her hostage sid goes to shoot uh parker parker uses his arm to block the shot and the bullet ricochets and hits the lady then that would be good boom now he's arrested for that murder right that would be good yeah i and you don't you don't you don't ever have sid you have sid who controls the tvs who goes into the tv room and controls them but you never see sid actively affect any computers you know what i mean like go in and be able to connect to a computer right yeah something like that and be able to talk the language you just see him being able to work use computers to do what he wants but never actively kind of like ghost in the machine type thing talk to computers get you know i'm kind of okay with that though because at that point he's in a physical form true so then he'd have to have like create those weird wires that go into computers and right. then like connect to what I, I kind of like that he had to and do my you own. can do a sequel because you can just say Sid 6.7 was backed up like you know because he oh absolutely that cube and yeah I was almost waiting for that cube to go down a sewer drain and then they crushed it and I was like oh okay but obviously if you were Parker in real life I mean I know it's real dramatic to throw it off the roof you would step on it. Of you course. would guarantee that you broke it before. Well, anything. that would be a good thing for his hand to crush oh, it. Oh, crush it with a big hand? Metal Again, hand. useless this. hand. <laughs> and does this, like this little Tough finger waggle, is. and it blows off, and then you're still on the roof, and then you got God freedom, you got lives playing. Okay. Are we rewriting Virtuosity now? Let me get it out. Hurry up, go, go. Virtuosity 2. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think about the glass? I actually like that. I like the glass up to a point. Oh, boy. Because I don't like that the glass kills him. Well, it's too much. That's the thing. I just, I don't know. It's like overloading. Like, But he's, he, he's strong enough to almost kill Denzel with like, he grabs Parker's head and tries to slam his head into the glass while he's dying as well. But he doesn't have the energy to maybe suck up some of that glass. True. I guess. What would you, what would you rather have something else slicing him up? And maybe the glass? glass just go through his head and just kill him right then and there. Maybe not have that last moment. Or he grabs Parker, but then immediately dies. Not be strong enough to almost kill him. He again. does die awfully easy. He does die awfully quick. I was expecting a little bit more of a battle. Yeah, you, you, yeah. I, I, I can be okay. I can, I can get behind that, that idea, that, that thought, pro- that thought process. But I do like that he's silicone, so he takes the glass and eats it and reprocesses it. I thought that was cool. Right, right. So, did you expect Parker and Madison to get together? Yeah, because yeah. it's a '90s movie. Yeah. And well, they didn't. They were going Denzel. to. Well. First of all, I, I I'm not saying he was wrong to like he drew. So the, it was the, a shitty reason that he ended up. Uh, it's it's it is, but it's a, so basically they were meant to kiss uh, at the in the movie, probably at the end or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Washington dropped it because he didn't think that the interracial kiss would affect. He thought it would affect box office chances. Right. He's not wrong. No, that's I'm I'm not saying it's shitty. He's he's not wrong for his thinking that. Not yeah, right. his reasoning's not shitty. He, it's he, the the world that's shitty. <laughs> of course, yeah. agreed, totally agreed. He, it, but he's also not. I think a better reason would be why force that into the movie. There's no reason to have a romantic element in this movie at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you already gave Karen Carter. The, the little girl, Kaylee Cuoco's character, that scene with Parker. Yeah, but you, you, where you've kind of already said And that's said good enough. That you can, you can, but just because you connect with a little girl doesn't mean you're going to go hook up with them. No, mom. I get that you don't kiss, but maybe you have them walk away together. 
That's fine. Something a little bit more connected. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I, again, I would rather just have maybe a deep friendship that she helped him, he helped her. Right, but she's yeah. got to be his entry into the real world. Because no. I was actually thinking that the movie was going to end really dark where Parker just jumps over the, uh, jumps off the building. Oh, kills himself? I thought he was going to kill himself. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think this is the type of movie that uh, Parker is looking for redemption in terms of companionship. He's looking for redemption in terms of... Uh, do you think he's looking for redemption? No, see, because here's I don't think he. This is a redemption story. But here's the thing: the fact that they put the embodiment of the guy that killed his wife and son into six point seven kind of makes it a redemption of, you know, redeeming himself to get the guy again. I guess I'm not saying it's a redemption story, but I'm saying they put an element of that in there. Like if you don't have that guy in 6.7, that Sid 6.7 oh, doesn't have as much of a reason to go after him. Right. right. There's yeah, exactly. But I, I find it more like a revenge movie then it's just like, Oh, I guess my job's not done. Let me go get him. He's in prison for, he's in prison for murdering reporters because he, cause, cause they, they, yeah, he told him to get that. He went on a killing spree with his arm all blown off and they shot, they surprised him. He turned around and shot him. Yeah. He killed all the people and then they were like, Hey, and he turned around in the heat of the moment and gunned him down. So he got a manslaughter charge. Right. And he's in for how many years? 12, I thought 17. It, no, it's like 20 or 30 years. Yeah, so they were going to reduce the sentence by 12. Okay. Years so then it the wasn't a manslaughter charge. It probably was murder too. I'm sure, well, yeah, well, you got to get him on murder on the other guys. Not really. That's true. Cause they did blow up your family. I mean, and they were actually, he's, he's yeah. And they yeah. were, yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. But, so yeah, agreed. I like how we're trying to break down his Kate course, Kate court case. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, that's the thing is like, he's in there and I, I don't, I think he regrets obviously killing the report, reporters, but who cares? We don't know about that in the movie. Well, that's the thing. He is, told him, well, to be fair, he did tell them to get down. He told them to get down and then they started getting up and shooting. That's on them. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think he regrets because the redemption arc would mean he would regret his actions during that day. And I don't think other than not being able to save his family, I don't think he regrets getting back up with one arm blown off and shooting that place to hell. I think he regrets his family dying. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing like that. Then it's not a redemption. Yeah. You're you're just going back after the guy who killed your family. So. You'd be okay with not putting the guy that killed his family inside of Sid 6.7. That would be fine with you. There's no reason to have that. No, I I like that extra need of revenge because I think Parker. It it was weird to me why Parker decides to go after Sid to begin with, because he's like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right. And then after that, he finds out Sid has. It well, it wouldn't be so weird because Parker's been running the program at Sid 6.7 for a while. This wasn't his first time. No, I know he's he's had he has a history with Sid. That's right. why Sid wants to face Parker. Right. But Parker doesn't want to go out and face Sid when they're in the prison room and he's talking to uh, Madison. He's like, "No, I don't want to go. I don't care." And when William Cochran is like, "Come on, buddy, we'll shave years off your sister," he's like, "I don't care." Would it be better if he always beats Sid in the game, and finally Sid wants his revenge, so he wants to, you know what I mean? Would it be better if in the simulation Parker was beating Sid all the time and Sid was never winning? Yes. And then it would be a little bit why Sid wants to get him outside in the real world. Yeah, because if you start it with Sid winning, then why does he care? 
Right. He's already proven that he's better. Right. He almost kills Parker. He killed Parker's partner. And and that could that could be a great like scene with Lindenmeyer where he's like, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired, I'm sick and tired of losing where you control this the parameters. Like that kind of thing. Right. Let's get the rewrite in this again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lindenmeyer doesn't make any sense he either sucks. because he yeah. frees Sid and immediately hides from Sid. And he hides from him. And then if you notice, there's a part where Sid kills somebody and he puts kill all the pigs, like the Charles Manson. Thing and then you go back to Lindenmeyer, but he's like, and, yeah. But he's got it on his, he's got it on his wall too. He, like he, he's copying it in his hotel room. Like, yeah. What are you doing? He's like obsessed with Sid. But you're scared of him. It's but weird. he's scared of him. Yeah. It's like this weird semi homosexual like yeah interest with him, but also you fear him, but also you need him to prove that your program works. But, but, you're, but you're not, not taking credit for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not taking the lead on trying to. Yeah, you're not taking the lead on trying to game the thing. Like, how did he get out? Let's find him. Let's yeah. and like take and making your project the the project to like you know make. Aren't you here to make money? Like it, it's a little weird. It's yeah. like they didn't know what to do with him, and they exactly. just tossed him in a hotel room. And it's like, well, who's to say that Sid would kill Lyndon Meyer anyway? Maybe yeah. he would have kept him because Lyndon Meyer made the system anyway. Sid yeah. probably would need him. Why kill him if you could? What's ha- something happens to my body? I still need you. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It just he was a weird character to be in there. Yeah, no. you could have just had creepy guy and had creepy guy. <laughs> I don't remember his uh, O'Connor's name, uh, Clyde. You could have had Clyde just try to make Stephanie two point or whatever, or Sheila three point two. Yeah, and uh, had Sid sneak into her body anyway. And that's the other thing with with the Sheila three point two. So they have all these people that they've created. I would assume that that takes a long time. Right. That all the building these people takes a long time. It takes a lot of hours you log in. And Lindemeyer has no problem to take Sheila 3.2, dump her and kick her off. Oh, like, right. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, that didn't that take you a lot to make? Yeah. yeah. Don't you need, don't you think sex sells and you would want to use that? Absolutely. That's, That's going to sell more than say 6.7. It's just weird. It's just, it's all over the place there. No, I definitely agree with you there. And then uh, I also like that the people they build are only 50 terabytes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm like, I think they'd be a lot more than fifty terabytes. Well, I don't know. This is this is the fast paced uh, five years, nineteen ninety nine from the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, fifty terabytes is way better than saying it'd be. They're like five gigabytes, <laughs> which I'm sure most people would say. That's so like, I do like that it's fifty terabytes, <laughs> which is still kind of still a lot of memory. That's nowadays, like fifteen but. externals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I also didn't like the police uniforms at the beginning of the film. Oh, when they're in the simulation, yeah, because they're all like futuristic. All right, all right, I, I know where we're set. And then the real know, world, it's like yeah, back those, to 1999. Yeah, I don't know. The opening scene's interesting in terms of, uh, you know, trying to hunt him down, the action and stuff like that. But oh, the that, way it's yeah, all acted yeah. and like all weird and over. Yeah. I, I I still don't hate this movie. Uh, there's stuff I like in the movie, but I I do admit that it, I readily admit that there are a lot of problems in this movie. And I'm going to go back to what I said originally: is that this movie is only saved by the fact that Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe are in this are in the two leads, and they're charismatic enough and good and good actors enough where uh, it makes the night it makes the 106 minutes go by pretty quick. Yeah, but why do you think maybe it's forgotten? I think a lot of this is forgotten summer, so I should say that. <laughs> I think that it's not these actors' best films. I think that's a reason. Of course. Denzel in the 90s, nine quadrillion movies he made. Mm -hmm. uh, And each one is probably, he's probably better in those and they're probably better films. Well, you're like two, three years removed from the uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you think of Russell Crowe, obviously, when you think of like, He's a huge actor now. When you think about his first film, most people are going to go back to Gladiator as his first film. Oh, yeah. They know him. And the fact that this movie is. Hold on. I agree with you. But Mm -hmm. if you do not know that he is an LA confidential, you have something wrong with you because that is only two years removed from this. Not you in general. I know. Yeah. 
Because that's awesome. Even, but when you think about L.A. Confidential, you're probably not thinking about you're not thinking Russell Crowe. When I think oh, of he's just an yeah, actor in the see, film. Here's the thing, though. When I think of L.A. Confidential, I always the first scene. I, oh, there's a couple of things I think of. Rollo Tomasi, one of them. Mm. Uh, my boy Adrian knows that. Uh, but one of the scenes I always remember is the fight in the prison in the cells downstairs when they bring all the guys in. Right. And, and he's he's trying to break it up. And one of the guys hits him. He's like, "Fuck you!" And he's like, "Fuck you!" And he just starts beating. And like I'm just like, "Oh, I, I love the melee downstairs." <laughs> L.A. Confidential is such a good movie, but. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I think that that's a reason that it kind of detracts, uh, that people don't think about this film. And also that it's kind of cheesy. It doesn't know what it is. I think that there is a really good movie in here. Mm -hmm. It's a good I idea. I think that there are parts of it. It is a very good idea. And I think that it should be remade. I mm -hmm. think that it could be remade and be good. But I think it's just kind of on the line of okay. I don't want to say that somebody, the, the writers of Demolition Man saw this movie and said, we could do this better, but that's what Demolition Man feels like. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Demolition Man is having a lot more fun, but you, again, you have two leads. You have Wesley Snipes who's having a lot more fun, had a lot of fun in that movie. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, Stallone being Stallone. So it's, you know, and Stallone's kind of like, he can play up the, the fun a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Even too. he was kind of yeah. joking around being yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. And you have a lot, and there's a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more commentary on feud the future and, and present day and future and kind of like the Taco yeah Bell I think this yeah yeah, yeah all it's, that stuff within all their jokes they have a lot to say yeah yes. yeah yeah uh, I'll tell you right now though this is actually perfectly placed in the summer it is this is a summer oh how film. we always talk about that yeah. absolutely yeah I mean the last four or five we've done when we've talked about like this isn't a summer movie this isn't a summer movie and yeah next week's movie is also not correct. It's not a summer movie, but this one is totally yep. a summer movie. Like this movie, even if it's, it's like, oh, it's garbage. But this movie you were going to open the week. He's like, oh, it looks like fun. Let's go. Yep. It's so hot. This, it's L.A. The plot. Right. The actors, it's totally a summer film. And it's totally perfect for August, film. too, because it's not quite a July film, but it's right. a little bit. July yeah. is where your heart, your your heavy hitters are. Um, Your big movies are where you have in July. Like Waterworld, I was talking about July 28th. That was a big movie. And so, with, oh, know, yeah, the net was with Sandra Bullock right off of speed. That was another big movie. And that's that, that's def, that's a summer movie as well. This movie was totally a summer movie, so it was perfectly placed. It just didn't hit. So, you know, that happens. Yeah. Uh, Butler, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com because we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Pandora, uh, Google Play, Amazon Music, uh, the Ghana Podcast Service. You can find us everywhere. <laughs> Nice. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, two things. One, uh, or later this week, you know, we're trying to do compendium episodes to our, to, to our main episode. This week, we got coming up. We're doing a Forgotten Cinema Spotlight on Denzel Washington. We're actually going to talk about movies that we like Denzel in pretty much. We're not going to sit there and tell you, like, this is Denzel's greatest piece of work. No, no, no. These are movies that we enjoy Denzel Washington. So, if you, you know, it'll be like a 20, 20 minute, 25 minute episode of us talking about Denzel. So, That's if you're right. interested in that, check us out there. Uh, also, but next week, uh, for Forgotten Summer rolls on. We're going to be doing uh, the 2005 movie, The Baxter. Butler's never seen it. I have. So I hope he likes it. I really like that movie. And uh, I did watch it already. And I really liked it again. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is next week, The Baxter. Um, hopefully you'll check out the Forgotten Cinema Spotlight episode. Uh, that's all I got. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Forgotten oh Summer. Ooh. Nice. You like that? I like yeah. That. That's nice. good, good, good job. Good job. Yeah, patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go shave 12 years off my sentence by hunting down a, uh, <laughs> a multi murderer. <laughs> I'm Sid 6.10. Shit. Wait, what? Wouldn't that be seven? Yeah, it would be seven. <laughs> <laughs>